Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Ranch Show on AM 770 KTTH, streaming live on the KTTH smartphone app. You will be absolutely shocked and disgusted by the stats on drug overdoses out of Seattle. That is what's trending. What's trending? The drug crisis. We got an update yesterday from Seattle Fire Department Chief Harold Scoggins. He was addressing the media for a press conference about a pilot program called Health 99. We'll get into that in a moment. But I want you to listen to the stats at play here. Because so far in 2023, we have had more overdose calls in just Seattle than all of 2022. Current Seattle fire overdose data reads like this. We're going on about 15 a day, a little bit over 15 overdoses a day. Now, to put that in perspective, so far this year, we have responded to over 4,000 overdoses of all kind. And once again, to ground you a little bit more, all of 22, we responded to just over 3,700. So we're in September, mid-September, we're over 4,000. And we've already exceeded 2022's number significantly. That's nuts. Again, 4,000 plus calls versus 3,700 plus calls. Keep this in mind, 2021 was at 1,700, okay? That should tell you how bad this crisis is. And that's just calls. They're not telling you the number of dead as we near 1,000. And not a single person seems willing to say from City Hall, from Olympia, that the current way of handling this crisis is not working. That harm reduction as a strategy does not work. They're not stepping up and saying, hey, maybe law enforcement does play a role in all of this. They're not standing up and saying, hey, my bad. We legalized drugs. Now we're paying a price. Sorry. They don't say anything because radical ideologues are going to radical ideologue. That's what they do. This is who they are. This is what they believe. And they're not even caring about the results because there's no one out there saying, here's how we're going to fix it. The only thing we hear about is, well, let's do more of the same and take policing completely. Let's just abolish the police. Now, I said he was talking about something called Health 99. Now, this is a program that works five days a week. It's between like 9 p.m. or 9 a.m. and and 7 p.m. something like that. But it, essentially, it's it's putting an EMT and a social worker responding to these overdose calls so that they can work with the person who is overdosing, save them, and then truly save them, connect them with services. The pilot program focuses on Pioneer Square, Chinatown International District, Belltown, the Downtown Business District, and Capitol Hill. But the team has discretion to respond elsewhere in the city. So they're focusing on the hot spots. Now, here's a problem I have. Only 52 people have received services. Now, it doesn't mean that doesn't, doesn't show promise. Right? Okay. We'll see what that means. I mean, receiving services versus actually getting the services you need in order to become and stay clean are two different things. But... It's a step in the right direction, except when you consider the fact that of the 52, some of them are repeat customers. Some of the clients served by Health 99 have been seen numerous times by the unit. 
That means the same person is overdosing over and over again. No, I know what it means. And the team it. is on scene, still doing the work, still trying to get them in the services. No, I know. I got it. Thank you. Why do you have repeat customers? Because there are no consequences to their behavior. When you're not under threat of any kind of punishment that will impact your ability to get and stay high, you're going to continue down that same path with that same behavior, period. When law enforcement plays no role, all you've done is ensure that you're going to create more and more and more customers coming back over and over and over again until one day you say to yourself or your colleague, whatever happened to Stan? I mean, he, we used to get him in here like once a week. I wonder what's up with him. Well, he died. He died of an overdose because we don't do enough in the city to crack down on the drug use. Oh, but Jason, they just passed a drug law. Yeah, that's the, what they passed is not going to make any difference, unfortunately. Again, step in the right direction. I can't get upset that we're stepping in the right direction, but I can't get upset that we're going so slowly. And that's the reality. And if we truly want to save Washington State, it means we have to get involved in this issue, which is one of the issues that will be discussed at the upcoming KTTH Freedom Series, October 24th at the historic Everett Theater. It will be me, Brian Suits. We're going to have Brandy Cruz, Jonathan Cho, Victoria Taft, Snohomish County Sheriff Adam Fortney, Councilmember Nate Nearing, Carmen Best, former SPD chief, and so, so, so much more, including Sammy Bird and Dave Reichert. Right now, we're only having the VIP tickets on sale, and then we will be opening up our sales for everybody. Tickets right now, VIP, $75. You get to pick wherever it is you want to sit. We used to do the first few rows. No, you get to pick wherever it is you want to sit. Because for me, the first few rows doesn't make me feel like a VIP. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to be up that close. So you get to choose where, you see, where you're seated. You get a, a signed, personalized autograph of my book, What's Killing America. You get, on top of that, a private meet and greet with Brian Suits and I. You get a complimentary beverage from the concession stand of your choice. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope to see you there. So if you want to purchase your VIP tickets, we're actually almost half sold out of the allotted VIP slots. We can only offer so many. So head on over to KTTH.com, click on the Giant Freedom Series link, and then go ahead and purchase your tickets. I hope to see each and every one of you there, except for you in the back there because your breath kind of smells. But everyone else, I totally want to see. Push the button. Your breath is fine. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? Education. Now, citing the left-wing American Library Association, the AP has such a disingenuous story out. Now, in fairness to the AP, they're working with disingenuous material, but this is all being done intentionally. It's about how we have book bans. They've hit record highs. And this is... The first thing to understand, this is why it's so disingenuous. The American Library Association, the ALA, they define a challenge to a book as a, quote, formal written complaint filed with a library or school requesting that materials be removed because of content or appropriateness. Now, when you define things in that way, 
you're, of course, going to find a huge increase. There are more parents paying attention to the content that's getting in front of their kids. But let's be honest about something. Is the art of Kama Sutra, should that be taught in an elementary school? Probably not. No, it would never fly. And and every single person would say that, except for the perverts, I guess. But every single person other than them would say, of course, it's not supposed to be taught there. Okay, so if you can't teach that in second grade, is that a ban? Are we banning the book? Well, I mean, according to the ALA, that would be considered a ban. But is that how any of us view bans? Or do we view bans slightly differently, like something that clearly is appropriate and for whatever reason people are going after that book yeah i mean i don't think that taking that out of a second grade class would constitute a challenge would you call that a ban if i said you can't you cannot teach the art of kama sutra in second grade no it sounds like an age restriction i think an age restriction and a ban are far from the same thing that is the difference but they are conflating the two when you have parents coming forward and saying, hey, we don't want you teaching gender queer to our kids. We don't want it in the library for which only children have access because it is exceptionally sexually graphic. It is inappropriate. It is not age appropriate. Sorry, my 11-year-old, my 7-year-old, my 9-year-old, they shouldn't have access to this. That is not a ban. That is simply saying what is and is not appropriate for someone of a certain age. When you say at a regular library in which everyone has access, you don't want the book there, that is, in fact, a ban. That is wrong. Some of that is happening. Not very often. What we're really talking about here as we look at these numbers, we're talking about parents groups saying, yeah, I don't want the sexually inappropriate material in front of my toddler. That is not a ban. And simply by the way calling something out and filing a complaint that doesn't even result in a book being removed, they count this as part of their story. Why do they do that? Because they want the numbers as high as possible so it can become a narrative about how these evil, fascistic parents are going after books. They're burning books! That's what they want you to believe. It falls in line with a narrative that they think hurts conservatives. It doesn't hurt conservatives because I dare I say, I believe that the majority of people in this country who are following these kinds of stories, they know the truth and they're on the side of the conservatives. They're on the side of the folks who say this kind of pornography, what's close to porn is inappropriate. And there's nothing wrong with saying that there is nothing wrong with with pursuing that kind of end result of getting this trash from going in front of your kids. When we get rid of textbooks because they contain old, outdated information, that's not a ban on the textbook. We're saying it's no longer useful. It does not provide any value. It's ridiculous. And it's the equivalent of saying, well, what's a movie that's R-rated that's out right now? Strays. That's the last one I can think of because there hasn't really been a movie out that I've seen in the last two weeks. Strays is rated R. Man, the the movie theaters are banning the film. What do you mean? Well, because it's rated R. Yeah, but I, I saw it already. Yeah, but kids can't see it. Minors can't see it without a parent or, or guardian. Okay, so it's not banned. You're just saying it's inappropriate for a certain age unless the parent says otherwise. Well, yeah. Okay. 
Glad we cleared that up. So that means nothing is banned. Do you still have access to these books? Yes. Can you buy them still? Yes. Have you bought them yet? Well, no, they're gross. Why would I want that? I mean, I'm just standing up for what's right. I'm just so sick and tired of this. And they give all of these different examples in this AP story about books that have been have been cut, have been banned. They, they talk about how because of the political positions that the American Library Association took, including that director who had to delete all of her tweets because she was talking about her political agenda here and how it was Marxist. I think that was the ALA. Groups are saying, different schools are saying, yeah, we don't want to be members with you guys anymore. And they're upset over at the Associated Press about that. It's just like, it's so unbelievable. Now, education topics, by the way, will be coming up at the KTTH Freedom Series. In fact, Brian Suits, because he is a parent and has a kid in school, he will be leading that panel. If you want to buy your VIP tickets, they're available right now at KTTH.com. And if you want to get the first alert when the GA tickets are available, make sure you download the KTTH smartphone app. Turn on your notifications because you guys get dibs on the first tickets. Once we make that announcement, it goes on the app first. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? National. Earlier today, the performance by Attorney General Merrick Garland in front of a House Judiciary Committee trying to defend his department's handling of the Hunter Biden investigation, well, it kind of fell flat for a lot of folks. wasn't very impressive. Joining me on the line with her reaction is Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican from Tennessee. Welcome back to the show. It is so good to be with you. Thank you so much. Did you come away impressed by what Merrick Garland had to say or what really he didn't have to say? You know, I I caught some reviews and some snippets of it. But, Jason, what it appeared was he was trying not to answer the question, because when he does these, he knows he's under oath. He knows he's on the record. Uh, He knows he needs to be truthful about this. And what he does not want to admit is that they had a, a way to do a workaround and um, try to find a way to hide what the Bidens were doing or to make decisions without it being made through the traditional channels. And I find it very interesting that this administration, you know, they're trying to find ways to make illegal legal. They're trying to find ways to make decisions that are going to benefit them that they know would be against the rule of law. And just think about this. Think about what they've done as they have firmly established in the American public's mind that there are indeed two tiers of justice with this administration. There is one tier if your name is Clinton, Biden, or one of the elite. There is another tier for the rest of us here across the country. Yeah, I mean, they're sending the message that if we don't like you politically, we're going to go after you. You know, say what you will about, you know, some folks just don't like Donald Trump. I get it. I I understand why some people don't like him. I think they're foolish, but fine. But to go to the extent that they're going to in order to try to destroy him while seemingly going really, really light on not just Hunter Biden, but Joe Biden, it's absurd. Well, they don't want to admit that the guy they picked, first of all, is having issues, cognitive issues, and remembering what he said when, remembering where he was, 
changing his position on issues. Uh, and they're also having an issue trying to cover up Hunter Biden's and Biden Incorporated misdeeds so that they can allow Joe, the guy they picked, to go be president so they can allow him to finish out this term. To them, you know, the, the, you've got this cabal around Biden, and what do they want? They want power. They want to make all the decisions for you. They would be very happy with what they call this progressive democratic socialist approach to things, kind of the Bernie wing of the party. And I represent Tennessee. Tennesseans are not for that. No, they're not. Do you think that Joe Biden will be the nominee? You know, that's going to be for the Democrats to decide. It, I think as you began to see Maureen Dowd and David Ignatius and yep. James Carville and others turn against him, it's hard to imagine that he will end up being the nominee. Switching gears, there seems to be some issue on the House side. Not seems to be. There is an issue on the House side in Kevin McCarthy's ability to get through some spending legislation. He's got a small group. I believe it's five Republicans who are standing in the way. We could be potentially getting into shutdown territory. There's a piece over at the Hill saying GOP senators are alarmed by the chaos. Are you amongst those who are alarmed? I... I'll just say this. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is trying to get a short-term funding bill over to us so that he can get the members of his conference to focus on finishing the spending bills. They've had a difficult time getting these spending bills out. Now, it's easy to say, well, Chuck Schumer broke his word. We said during the debt ceiling deal uh, a $1.47 trillion spending cap. And now, uh, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats are trying to break that cap. But, you know, the House should be sending the Senate something to work on. Mm -hmm. They should be sending over these appropriations bills. I know that the approach chair has tried to move these bills. I know they are trying to get them on the floor. Uh, when you have people on the rules committee that will not agree, Republicans that will not agree to the rule, to move these bills to the floor, then you can't move forward and have the discussion on whether you're going to approve or disapprove that spending bill. Members lose the ability to amend that spending bill. The goal should be to reduce what the federal government spends. If you do that, you help to reduce inflation. You have to return to regular order. So we would like to see the House move forward in a truly constructive manner. Same time, I've been dying to ask you this question. What is your take on the removal of any kind of meaningful dress code for senators so that John Fetterman can continue to dress the way that he dresses? I think it is very inappropriate. I think it's a disrespectful to the institution to remove a dress code and to allow people to go to the floor of the Senate and uh, workout wear, shorts, hoodies, whatever they happen to feel comfortable in. The uh, U.S. Senate 
is a place for serious discussions. Uh, the decisions that are made affect the lives of every single American person. Um, being properly attired as you meet with, uh, in my case, Tennesseans, I, I think that that is a sign of respect to the people that have elected me, to the people that I represent, to the institution as a whole, and to my colleagues. Yeah. Last question for you, UAW strike. They basically gave until uh, Friday to get something better on the table coming from the big three. Where do you stand? This is Republicans, for the most part, have been saying some Republicans have been saying just fire them, move on. This is not right. And uh, what we have watched is um, the different nature of this kind of strike. What you're hearing is a pushback on the Biden push to EVs. And uh, they're beginning to say, hey, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, this is going to take some of our jobs. And when you've listened to people that are on the, the line carrying out this strike, what do they talk about? They talk about their personal career. They're not talking about the union or pleasing the union. They're talking about how this affects them personally, how it affects their career, how it would be reducing jobs. Um, It would be um, reducing the number of models that an automaker is uh, producing and selling. So Uh, You know, we'll see where it goes. I uh, know I've heard that the White House is not happy with this. Um, And we know that they have been big supporters of the union. But yet it is their policies, their energy policies, that are one of the reasons that people are out there striking. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting, by the way, that the UAW, they have not endorsed Joe Biden for president. And this is the guy who's the well, most. You're right about that. He's the and I, I think that, yeah. And that's probably something that's yeah. not lost on a lot of people and probably not lost on his political team. No kidding. Senator Marsha Blackburn, as always, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Really appreciate it. Happy to join you. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to The Jason Rant Show. Don't forget our friend, our sponsor, Greg Nunn, is the local tax expert. He is looking to grow None Better Tax Resolution and wants to hire some tax specialists. So if you're passionate about fighting for taxpayers, if you're qualified and interested in a truly meaningful job, give Greg Nunn a call at 425-947-1967 or Google N-U-N-N, None Better Tax Resolution. Back with the Big Local after this. Tacoma, Bremerton, Bothell. This is the Big Local on the Jason Ranch Show. Redmond, Sumner, Kent. Stories about you, not about Seattle. Well, look at that. 4.30 on a weekday afternoon. That means it's time for the Big Local, brought to you by Alpine Specialty Services, online at alpineclean.com. This is the part of the show where we completely ignore stories coming out of Seattle. And instead, we focus all of our attention on the communities you live in and care about most. We start with the story that just came across my X profile. I don't like the way that sounds. I'm, I'm saying Twitter. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And it comes from the Seattle Times. I'm just going to read you the title. 
Bellevue light rail line isn't open yet, but something's already broken. You cannot make this up. You cannot make this up. I don't care how large or small of a problem what it is we're about to discuss actually is. Sound Transit is incapable of getting anything right the first 12 times it tries. It gets everything wrong. Now, this so-called starter line on the east side, for the fans who are there, 94.5 FM, you can listen to this show. Sound Transit found out that they had a whole bunch of loose tiles on the passenger boarding platform, and now they have to replace them. Mike Lindblom reports project executives say the 10,000 square foot retrofit may cost up to $3 million. And they have to get this done by March of 2024, which apparently, even though it's just tile, apparently that is quick turnaround. And again, maybe it's quick turnaround only because of their utter incompetence. John Lebo, the executive project director for the East Link Light Rail, said in an interview, we are replacing all of the tiles so that we have a durable, safe walking service for the long term. Hey, why did you have that to begin with? Is that is that a weird question to ask? It feels like the that seems like a fa- fair question, right? Yeah, we're replacing all the tiles because we want to make sure that they don't break down and they last a long time. Um, why didn't you do that the first time around? Yeah. We like screwing up. He said the tile removal work will begin in a few five days and that the new tiles should be installed in late January or early February, depending on weather and availability of skilled workers. He says surface tiles are a high profile frustration lately. Yellow edge tiles at Othello and Rainier Beach stations in South Seattle where service began, need to be replaced this summer. Oh, my God. So they can't even get, they cannot get the tiles right, and they think you're going to be all down with riding on the Link Light Rail from Bellevue to Redmond. Yeah, that'll work. You can go from downtown to Overlake Village, and then eventually the I-90 segment will happen. I'm guessing that'll happen in the year 2090. That's been delayed over. It's just name me another agency as 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 incompetent as Sound Transit. I will Washington State Ferries. No, no, no. They're not. They are. It's close though, right? No, I don't. No, I don't think it's even that close. That's how bad Sound Transit is. Sound Transit is utterly incapable of doing anything. If they ran the ferry system, our ferries would sink. They would tip over and sink if Sound Transit was in charge. Let us all be grateful that Sound Transit doesn't touch anything having to do with the ferries because they would all just somehow tip over and we wouldn't even know how. It's like you're defying what's supposed to happen with science. Nope, tips over. What would happen if the ferries ran, ferry system ran Sound Transit? They would be late all the time and the light rail trains themselves would crash into the bus stops. Yeah, well, they're not buses. Yeah, whatever. No, don't whatever me. Facts matter. This is not Air America here. We give facts. <laughs> King 5 seems upset that Marysville might implement that three strikes rule that we talked about the other day. They have a follow-up story uh, on what we covered 
I think it was on Monday, where anyone convicted of theft, car prowling, trespassing, or public drug use three times would have to serve a mandatory 30-day sentence in their jail. Now, it would jump the punishment to 60 and 90 days for five convictions and seven convictions, respectively. Now, these are crimes that are mostly due to the drug crisis. But the good news is, in Marysville, their jail has a medical unit that can detox the addicts, and they have social workers who could be there to help along the way. And then, of course, once they leave jail, this is all about getting them the help that they need because they're not getting it on their own. John Naring is the mayor of Marysville. I'm a huge fan of his. He spoke with King Five. If you can get him into the facility, get him medically detoxed for a while, you can have that kind of rational conversation. And if they'll accept treatment at that point and go complete a treatment program, we're more than willing to waive the remainder of the 30-day sentence. Oh, so controversial. I can't believe he even uttered this in public. How will he live this down? Now, of course, it has critics because, we well, we have an ACLU chapter here. And they are filled with folks on the radical left who do not believe in jail time for, well, just jail time. Let's just say they do not believe in jail time. I I, I think with the exception of the most insane crimes, the the most violent crimes, they are abolitionists. And one of their spokespeople, Jasmine Clark, who spells it J-A-Z, lame, M-Y-N, ugh. She says this will definitely not work. Because if the person is not ready to move past that substance use disorder, force, forcing them into treatment for the duration of their incarceration is not going to change that. Yeah, it will actually change that. Forcing them into treatment is going to change it. And if they end up relapsing, okay, they commit any more violations of the law, we put them through the treatment center again. Bam, it's that simple. You see, I am starting to not really care about the person who refuses to get treatment while simultaneously creating victims out of people. I feel bad. I wish that they would get the help that they need. But to be clear, I care more about the victims of their crimes than I do about an individual addict who is saying no, 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 no. I have sympathy because, in part, they are being enabled or emboldened by folks like Jasmine Clark from the ACLU of Washington, who seems to think it's proper to keep them living out on the streets where they will ultimately die. These are people who are not helping themselves. They are hurting other people. If Jasmine wants to keep people on that path to an inevitable fatal overdose, she should just stay in Seattle politics and leave Marysville the hell alone. Tell you, if I had a loved one addicted to fentanyl, I would pray that they ended up in this facility and give them a shot. It would give them a shot. This is what compassion looks like. Jasmine is not compassionate, but she'll tell you she is. Folks on that side of the aisle, on the far left, the radical left, they want you to think that they're so compassionate. They're trying to keep people out of jail because when you throw the homeless addict in jail, they might end up losing their job that they don't have or access to kids who they should not be in charge of. It'll disrupt their life as if living out on the streets isn't disrupting their lives. Now, stupid people get into gun battles at gas stations, and we have two stupid people who did just that at a gas station in Auburn. The police department said this wasn't random, but detectives aren't quite yet sure how they know each other. They just get the sense that they do. Here's Auburn PD's Colby Crossley 
to Cairo 7. This was a kind of a shootout between two people. There was a confrontation. One person was in a vehicle and the other person was standing on the outside of that vehicle. Something arose between them and they started shooting at each other. Now, Wesley was around this area just as the incident occurred. He was shot. He drove in here. Uh, my coworker saw him run down the street yelling, I've been shot, I've been shot. Did he say it with that level of lack of urgency? Yeah, I'm sure that was, he, he mimicked the tone perfectly. I have, I have been shot. I have been shot. Uh, Please, someone call 911. I have been shot. I have been shot. <laughs> I have been shot. Now, both men were taken to Harborview. They do have life-threatening injuries. Here's the deal. Again, I'm not going to go into a whole spiel about the crime crisis, but the randomness of this particular incident in that I know that they were targeting each other, according to the police, but it was a random location, right? One dude was just pumping gas in his car. You could have been there with your kid pumping gas at the exact same moment. That's really when we talk about the crime crisis, one of those issues that people need to remember. It's not just happening in certain neighborhoods, but let's just say it was happening in certain neighborhoods. You might be in that neighborhood at the time that this occurs. You might be in that gun shop or pot shop, not judging a little bit, I'm judging, or the drugstore when someone drives a car through the storefront and then robs the place. You might be there on a road when there's a shootout next uh, on the sidewalk that you're driving next to. You can be impacted by this. That's what's terrifying. And then finally, the Washington State Patrol said King County experienced 28 crashes this morning. Spread out all across King County, Washington State Trooper Rick Johnson blames the weather causing some bad driving. The rain has contributed to this and, and just people... I don't want to say learning how to drive in the rain again, but just remembering that they have to adjust their speed. Call me crazy here, but did it rain this morning? And I just, I missed it. Last night, pretty hard. So the roads roads were wet. Yeah. When did it rain? I was up this morning at like 545. I didn't hear any rain. It was raining at like midnight. Oh, I was in bed by then. I went to bed at 11 last night. Or no, I went to bed at 1030 last night. Wow. I watched another episode of Boy Meets World, and then I went to bed. I'm reliving some of my childhood in TV form in this case because Boy Meets World has a podcast called Boy Meets Pod or Pod Meets World, something like that. And it's the three co-stars of the show reflecting back and doing like recaps of what they remember from the episodes. And it is fascinating only in the sense that it reminds me of my childhood, which was only 10 years ago, even though, you know, Boy Meets World, I think was 30 years ago. I don't know how it works. Math is not my strong suit, but I find it so fascinating and I thought it would be stupid and boring. And yet, no, not at all. It's very good. Well, glad you can relive your glory days. Oh, back to the story. Trooper Johnson says Wednesday morning storm is a reminder to check your tires and windshield wipers right now. Well, no, it was before the storm was the best time to do it. So moving forward before there's another storm is the best time to do it. Uh, Pearson Snohomish counties report at least nine collisions during the rain. So at least nine apiece. Okay. Learn to drive. I, I don't know what to tell people anymore. You know, this whole idea of you got to relearn to drive in the rain. It hasn't been that long. <laughs> really, it, it's it's called summer. And do you? We, we never say you have to learn how to drive not in the rain, in dry weather. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously it's more hazardous when it's wet. I feel like no, I'm you not... you drive slower when it's wet. Well, yes, but I don't know. I don't think I'm the problem. I think it's other Everyone people. else. Yeah, everyone else is the problem. They're the ones getting into the accidents, I not do have a me. theory about why driving here is just so out of control sometimes. We certainly, we obviously have a lot of locals, but we have a lot of people from out of Seattle. Yeah. As someone who's from L.A., I can tell you there's much different habits associated with driving in L.A. than in Seattle area, just the general area of Washington, where you're a little bit more laid back and passive until you're not. You're just aggressive when you're in L.A. It's a cool kind of aggressive. Yeah, definitely. But it's an aggression that you don't necessarily get here. New York is nuts, right? They're just all over the place. And then I assume wherever anyone else comes from, they're bringing with them whatever their driving habits were. I don't know what they are in Minneapolis, but I'm sure there's someone from Minneapolis. I don't know what it is in Austin. I'm sure there's someone from Austin. And it all just doesn't mesh very well on our roads. Worst drivers I've ever seen is Pennsylvania. What made them so bad? Uh, they drive with California aggression, like, through the mountains. It was actually quite scary. Maybe it was you. If you're saying you were in a state and you didn't like anyone driving, that means it's you. Maybe. No, no, no. No. It's not maybe. It's you. 1-800-465-8770. Max just made a weird motion towards me. That's what you told me to do. For what? To remember to not skip the vote today. Oh, yeah. You picked the news when we come back. Story number one, a a woman was rescued from an outhouse toilet in northern Michigan. How did that happen? We'll tell you. Or Dave Portnoy rips the Washington Post reporter to her face in a really, really, really fun way. Which story should we discuss? I actually kind of want to do both. 1-800-465-8770. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. Pick the topic on the Jason Rand Show. Indeed you do, but I'm going to cheat just a little bit because we are going to do both stories. I'm going to hold off the portnoy because we don't have enough time to do that here. We'll go with the women, the woman who was rescued from an outhouse toilet. What happened to this poor woman in Bagley Township, Michigan? She was rescued after she climbed in to retrieve her Apple Watch and somehow she became trapped. Like sometimes you see videos of like a kid getting their head stuck in a small space and you're like, well, how did it get in? How can he just go out the same way? I saw, I think I sent you that on Instagram. Some kid. That sounds like something you'd send me. It was amazing. Her name has not been released because we got, God <laughs> bless this woman. Let's not shame her. The AP says she lowered herself inside the toilet after dropping the watch at the Department of Natural Resources boat launch at Dixon Lake in Otsego County's Bagship Township, Bagley Township. First responders were called when the woman was heard yelling for help. Oh, was it a toilet that was used? You would have to assume. The toilet was removed and a strap was used to haul the woman out. Is she a big gal? Why do they have to do that? I mean, if it's one of those... It can't be that big if she got in. Well, no, I just think it's far down. Really? Yeah, well, have you... Well, no, you don't ever do anything like that. An outhouse? You think I would ever go to an outhouse? Are you nuts? (laughs) 
No. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> hi, hi, I'm Jason. Nice to meet you for the first time ever. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm trying to make a point that some of them are dug kind of deep down in the ground. They say, <laughs> state police put out a statement. If you lose an item in an outhouse toilet, do not attempt to venture inside the containment area. Serious injury may occur. They didn't say whether or not she was injured or if the watch was recovered. Those so, are important details. It kind of is. Well, the watch part is because if you went in and you didn't <laughs> and it end wasn't up worth it, it, yeah. What is, we've all probably had this cross our minds at some point. What would you be willing to give up on if you dropped in a toilet versus what you would have to go and, and retrieve? Regardless of what is in the toilet at the time will probably change your, you know, internal thinking. But let's just say you dropped your Apple Watch, which is whiz, whiz is expensive. $300, I think, 400 bucks. Yeah, depending on which like version, that. yeah. Do you reach in and grab it if it's urine? If it's your own, I would say probably. May, what I would do is I would grab like a toilet brush and hold it down while flushing so I can at least get some of the water filled the That's urine That's actually stuff out. very smart. It's a really great idea. Thank you. If it's <laughs> number two. I mean, you could do that same I would do the same thing, strategy. but four times and then get a glove and then retrieve it. If it was someone else's, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, an outhouse, there's many someone else's. Well, this was presumably. at an event. Yeah. A boating event. Man, I'd let that Apple Watch go. I'd let it go. Yeah, I'm just, I'm out. I'm, I'm certainly not climbing into anything. If I can't reach it, we're out. Well, was I'm she never under gonna... the influence? That's another key detail. Yeah, they don't say it. They don't say what time it happened either, so it could have been in the morning. We're less likely. Yeah, I'm not going into that. I'm not going to reach into a storm drain because it and chapter two of it, I'm just done. 1-800-465-8770 for your text messages. You're listening to The Jason Ranch Show.